Hooray. Hey, folks. Thanks for tuning into the BAMF podcast. I'm here with Ross Watson. Uh, Ross, could you introduce yourself to the folks at home, please? Hi, everybody. I'm Ross Watson. I've worked on a whole bunch of RPGs over the years. Right now, I'm the COO of Star Anvil Studios. That's why you see my name's got it in there. Uh, and we're making some great products like the Secret World RPG and Saints and Sinners, which is a sci-fi setting for Savage Worlds. And before that, you've worked for a lot of, a lot of the heavy hitters in the industry, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I did a lot of work on uh, Star Wars Edge of the Empire, Savage Worlds Rifts, uh, uh, all the Warhammer 40k role-playing game lines, just to name a few. Okay. I guess I should say something right now. I see some uh, audience members filing in. Uh, we're going to be talking to Lynn Cadega uh, from Gizmodo and io9 today, who broke the uh, OGL story. Uh, it looks like she couldn't make it tonight, so we were going to just going to chat about it quickly with Ross Watson. Um, so you're welcome to stay, or we'll try to get Lynn at a future date. So um, let me play our introductory music, and we'll dive into talking about this thing. There we go. All right, Ross, in case some of our audience have been under a rock for the last couple of weeks, um, how would you summarize what, what has happened? Well, uh, there was a leak of an update to the OGL. Uh, it was called OGL 1.1. It had a lot of uh, really bad things in it, like requiring uh, 20 to 25% royalties. It had uh, a clause that would basically take away anybody's IP that worked there, that, that did anything before it. It, uh, it it purported to blow up the 1.0. Uh, it's it was it was really bad. It was bad, yo. <laughs> it was really bad. Now then, we found out that it was actually, in fact, real. From uh, a Kickstarter executive came forward and was like, "Yeah, we we negotiated based on this particular thing." And then uh, there was a lot of speculation, a lot of silence from Watsi. And then just a couple days ago, they put out a, a, a statement that said, hey, we don't want to take anybody's IP away. And, I'm, you know, my question is, well, why did you write it that way? And then they said, hey, we're not going to take any royalties. And then they said, oh, this was just a draft to get feedback. And I'm like, well, then why was it sent out with contracts attached to it, you know, to sign? Yeah, it was sent out to several other publishers, uh, CNBC reported, um, an effort again to some of the big influencers in the industry to get them to sign on early to, uh, you know, make it seem like more of a thing going on. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, and then it was leaked and there was a big pushback from the industry. And they, Huge. As a whole. Yeah. Monumental. Well, I, and I've been playing games since I was like eight years old, which, you know, puts me at like almost 40 years of playing game, playing, uh, uh tabletop games. I have never, in my entire life, seen a PR disaster of this scale. Uh, yeah, I've been calling it a, a new Coke um, kind of incident, but I think that might be trivializing how bad it was because, you know, new Coke, hey, there is Linda. Hello. Linda, how you Linda. doing? Nice Hi, guys. So, you, you had guests of honors here. Uh, let me introduce uh, Russ Watson of uh, Star Anvil Studios, and uh, previously he's worked at Watsi and um, a lot no, of work I've never worked at Watsi. No. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Lots of other publishers. Uh, Linda, uh, you broke the story. Oh, boy, howdy did I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're yeah. kind of like a... I, Thank you for your, your your work as a journalist, by the way. Yeah, you're absolutely welcome. I, I um, we, we had just summarized, you know, the previous couple of weeks things. And um, I got to imagine this has been a wild ride for you. I mean, because this is, uh, you're sort of like a folk hero in D&D &D circles now. 
What? Sorry, That's much. not true. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that I I haven't seen quite that level yet. Are we streaming? Oh, yes, oh we I apologize. Nice. We we are live. We played the intro music a few minutes ago. And, oh, okay. And so yeah. Excellent. Hi guys, I'm Linda yeah. Kanega. I use they them pronouns. I write for io9. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I broke the story a couple weeks ago. Sorry that I'm like so scrabbly right now. Um, it's eight o'clock and I have to get up early to go to LA to interrogate Matt Mercer. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, you're talking. Oh Woo! wow. Oh, we want to know fun. more about this for sure. <laughs> well, mostly they're just doing a Vox Machina um press like press mm -hmm. run mm -hmm. and my editor was like do you want to go to LA and I'm just like no and he's like okay and then I was like wait all right and he's like okay <laughs> go so, to LA so critical Role put out a statement uh but it was basically a bunch of words that said nothing and we're really interested to find out what they actually think yeah it's one of those things where I am deeply suspicious that they have tons of NDAs and they have tons of contracts and they really can't risk the livelihoods of like the dozens to hundreds of people that rely on them keeping their mouth shut and like being nice to Watsi. Um, so in that sense, like I don't really hold it against them that they like put out this, this whole thing. That's just like, we can't really say anything. And I'm like, all right, like, okay um but we'll see what happens well my opinion is that they are basically steering the ship right now like if, if critical role decides to stick with D, then D, D will survive but if they choose some other game system then that system will be lifted up into the heavens on angel's wings and become the new pathfinder and we're all just sort of waiting to see which result that's going to be yeah i think it's interesting i think that it's hard to really speculate exactly what is going to happen with with that stream but yeah uh luckily i'm i'm gonna go and i'm gonna ask him some softball him and marisha ray some softball questions about vox machina and then i'm gonna be like so <laughs> the future of gaming <laughs> let's well, talk um, about it nice so from, from your point of view um this has been going on for about three three and a half weeks yeah, basically it, it it definitely started in early November. Mm -hmm. Uh late yeah, late November, early December when all the, the rumors around NDAs went out and the open D and D campaigns began. And then fuel sort of added to the fire and also was like doused a little bit when D and D released their December twenty first statement. Um, but it's only been, you know, a week and a half since I was able to release my report on uh, the OGL 1.1 leak, which was in January 5th. So it's only been, you know, a week and a half. It just seems longer. I apologize. I was thinking it was about twice that amount of time. Um, so we kind of summarized, and I think everyone watching this podcast is probably a gamer, and they've probably all been following it very, very closely. Um, mm -hmm. How does this feel for you as a person who broke the story? It's it's a lot. <laughs> it's pretty overwhelming. Um, 
I'm really grateful that it's gotten the attention it has. And I'm also very grateful that it's basically anyone who's like read the story or is in like any arena to have thoughts about it is basically the same boat where they're just like, this sucks. Like there's really nobody out there who has looked at the OGL 1.1 and said like, this is fair and good actually. <laughs> yeah. My, my roommate and I were talking about this uh, in the video game industry it's very different because like they don't really build communities the same way that the tabletop community does right and and we kind of all came together i mean it's it's pretty amazing to see the response being this homogenous um and basically forced one of the biggest companies in the world to take a step back which is pretty cool yes we like the whole the whole tabletop role-playing game space definitely forced D D to retreat in a huge way because they were they were planning on releasing this you know like this wasn't a work in progress like they'd want you to think this was like really close to presco draft like all it had missing and i'm sure everyone's seen it at this point was stuff like email here method here link here and i'm like you don't make deals with kickstarter on something that you're not actually going to like right release that's that's one of the things that was weird about Watsi's official statement was that they said, oh, this is just a draft for for responses. And I'm like, you sent it out with contracts. How is that a draft? Contracts. <laughs> Term sheets. Yeah. You told people they wouldn't be able to negotiate. And now you're like, we'd like to negotiate. <laughs> and they, they okay. further were like, it was never our intention to take away your IP. And I'm like, did the contract fairy come in at night and write that for you? Because it was written in a way where you were going to take everybody's IPs. Yeah. Uh, I'm firmly in the camp of Wizards of the Coast is in the IP business and not the product business. And Dungeons and Dragons is in the product business. So it's one of those things where there's, I think, a pretty large divide in between what executives want to do and what executives see as like possible and what everyone working at the ground level of Dungeons and Dragons is interested in doing and like wants to do for their product and their community. Yeah, I, I had heard some rumors that uh, I know people who know people who are at uh, Watsi and, you know, there was a lot of the creatives were out until, you know, well, your story broke. They were out on holiday vacation. They came back and there was a big push to stop the stupid, if you will. And um, I don't know if their pressure helped or if it, I suspect it was the large amount of money they were losing from all the canceled subscriptions. But, um, whew, what a week and a half, huh? Yeah, we owe it. We owe a big yeah. debt to you, Linda. You were like the beacons of Gondor, lit, calling for aid, and the you know it was it was that big moment. And uh... <laughs> it's like the moment the moment from Mulan where the where the little yeah. soldier like stands up and it's just like now all of China knows you're here. <laughs> exactly, Linda. I have to apologize for our effusive praise, but I suspect you'll be getting a lot of that from geeks in the coming months. So, well, I'll I'll happily take the credit for being one of the voices that brought it to the mainstream, I think that that's not something I can really deny very much. <laughs> uh, but I think that I will try and be as humble as possible for as long as possible because I'm just a journalist. And I think that something like this, while very exciting and very overwhelming, 
um, is probably not going to happen either for a while or again, which is fine. I have other stuff to do. Um, I, I'm sure someone has already asked you, but it's the obvious question, so I'll ask it. Uh, you're writing a book, right? About what? <laughs> About this. Oh, probably not. Um, okay. All right. Yeah, not yet. Not so okay. far. Uh, I am kind of, I'll probably be interviewed for books or like someone will want to interview me for like books that they're writing. Mm -hmm. um, but I tend to, to not to ascribe to the mode of journalism that sort of saves everything up for a, like a tell all book. Mm -hmm. um, so my journalism will be as immediate as I can make it. <laughs> um, but yeah, we will, we'll see if someone writes a book about this, and, like includes me in a footnote. You're being very humble. Um, but, uh, well, hey, let me ask you this question. Um, sure. I understand you have probably need to get to sleep soon, get that plane to LA and whatnot. But um, if you were to try and predict where things are going to go, say in the next year, do you have any, any inclinations, any hunches, or would you like to reserve comment? Um... I'll spec. I could speculate wildly. Why not? Whom's among us hasn't decided that they're just gonna like take a shot in the dark? Um, I think a lot of this really depends on just how far Wizards of the Coast is willing to walk stuff back. Uh, I think a lot of this depends on how willing people are to change systems right now, and how willing people are to continue to support creators even if the creators aren't changing systems. Because a lot of people can't, a lot of like the smaller third party creators who aren't, you know, Paizo or MCDM can't switch to non 5e content immediately. Um, so I think it'll depend on how strongly people stick by who they want to stick by. It's... I, I definitely see this as a flashpoint. I really, really hope this is a point in time where people from all over the RPG community try something not 5e and kind of break the stranglehold that 5e has had on a lot of indie creators for a long time. Um, it's one of those things that is not a secret that like if you want to become a big a big like actual play podcast, you have to play D&D. It's one of those things, like, if you are not going to be, like, the next, you know, Possum Creek games, you need to do Dungeons & Dragons content. Um, so I'm deeply hopeful if we're going to take, like, the rosiest, rosiest view, I'm deeply hopeful that people will find new games and enjoy both both whatever Dungeons of the Dragons turns out to be and other games as well. That's I like that. I like that. Uh, I think, I, I think though, I think you got to factor in, you know, Hasbro's obvious willingness to shred everything in the pursuit of money. That's so, the thing. I don't necessarily think it's money. I think that this is about power right now. I think the OGL is entirely about power. The OGL is entirely about realizing that they gave way too much away with the OGL 
Uh, I think 1.1 is them recalibrating and being like, okay, where is the money? How do we get that MTG money? How do we make wizards? How do we make Dungeons Dragons like bring in MT MTG profit? Um, the the biggest thing is that, like the money that they would have taken from the royalties of the excess revenue, which again, for those of you under a rock, uh, Wizards of the Coast had said in this new OGL 1.1, there was going to be a royalty tier structure. And if you made over $750,000, any excess revenue would be uh, 25, 20, they would ask for 25% royalties on that excess revenue, which is an absurd amount of royalties. Like generally royalties are anywhere from like five to 10%. And even 10% is considered like a lot. And it's revenue, not profit. Yeah, it's revenue. Um, which means that you could go into the black or into the red in a Kickstarter and you that makes $800,000. And even though you were losing money and you will make no profit, you still owe Wizards of the Coast 25% of $50,000. Right. Hey, which I, is uh, horrible. Yeah, agreed. I, I will say I, I've got one associate who's been... Um, writing RPG material since before the OGL. And he's like, some of us old grognards were shocked and amazed that Ryan Dancy did what he did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things where the OGL 1.0 in 2000 is genuinely a revolutionary uh, item. It gave, it gave fans a lot more power than I think Dungeons & Dragons ever really wanted or expected it to give them. Um even with people trying to emulate the GNU and the Linux Foundation license. Uh, and it was also founded two years before the Creative Commons license was established. So it's it's really very important in like open source history and like open license history uh, in a lot of different ways. But yeah, I think that the thing is, like, the money that they would have made on my point here about, like, it's not about money is that the point, sorry, the amount of money that they would have made on the royalties asked for of, like, the, the in excess money would not have even covered, like, the production of a single Dungeons and Dragons book. It wouldn't cover, like, you know, a, a department. It wouldn't cover a couple salaries. Like, it wouldn't cover the freelance budget. And I think that the the walkbacks from the like fake apology update really show that if they're willing to remove the like royalty structure entirely, it was never really about money, and it's always been about control. Well, I mean, you make a good point, but I think it, it's important to point out that this was just the start. They could always they could always ask for more and more and more based on you know they were starting with twenty five percent of the top. Mm -hmm. Right. Hey, now, uh, granted, it's a drop in the bucket compared to their billion dollar stuff. But Ross, if yeah. I can break in, I, I think I have a question from your uh, your boss, Starable Studios in the comments. You mean my partner, Woo! your partner. <laughs> uh, forgive me, sir. Forgive me. Uh, from Starable Studios. Um, do you think that the pressure uh, do you think of the pressure as lessening after the updated OGL announcement? I've seen more standing up for for Watsi saying it's theirs and they can do what they want. Uh, not really. I think that people know better than to come into my comments and tell me that. <laughs> I bet. Uh, I 
think that, yeah, I just think that people know better than to like come into my comments and tell me that. I think that people, if people are saying that they're doing it uh, to independent creators and third party publishers, and I am neither of those things. Uh, so I think that if pressure is lessening, it's only because there is no immediate danger right now. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm myself, but I'm kind of not really in that part of the. I, I write indie games, so I'm not mm -hmm. really in the 5e section of things. But Ross, what have you seen? Uh, well, I'm no corporate bootlicker, and I certainly won't be uh, <laughs> supporting anyone who thinks that this is a great idea uh, because it's not. And it's 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 yet another you know big corporation just pushing to see how far they can stretch the envelope and then oh no we'll walk it back. Remember, walkbacks are not reform. They have they are not and have never have been. Right. Um, there's there's an interesting post actually on the Motley Fool that came out today about the profitability. Uh, it turns out that uh, Watsi is seventy two percent of Hasbro's profit, just overall. Yeah, uh, I'm not surprised by that. Uh, the Hasbro sort of dried up because like the the uh, television shows that were basically advertisements for toys <laughs> like He-Man oh, don't yeah. really like they don't matter anymore. Um, so they, so they really Kevin like Smith sheds a single tear. <laughs> you know, so they've, they've lost a lot of their cultural impact um, in that sector and it really is the fact that like oh like we're marketing to actual adults now we're like our products are for adults now uh i think that they're yeah they're really relying on wizards to pull through for them and there's you can't under you can't overstate how much money they make from mtg it's kind of i i know so many game stores that's paying the rent for years and years so. it's a billion dollar industry yeah billion with a with a b as in boy, a, billion dollars. It's a billion dollars. A big capital B. Yeah, it's uh, it's been called card cardboard crack for decades now for a good reason. So it is it is more profitable to print Magic: The Gathering cards than it is to print money. <laughs> yeah, like big, that's big, a big. fact. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. Um, Linda, I can tell you're tired. I can tell you you mentioned you get that early flight tomorrow. Really appreciate your time. Uh, thank <laughs> you. In the comments. Thank you so much. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts before we wrap it up? Um, no, I think that uh, you know I would not give any money to Wizards of the Coast. Give all of your money to well, no, but like keep keep supporting third party publishers, even if they are publishing D and D content. Uh, but like, don't give Wizards of the Coast any of your money. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm begging you not to do it. Um, Revolution. That, yeah, but other than that, like, uh, support your indie creator. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, I have a couple more articles that are coming out. Um, hopefully within the next week or so. And we'll see what Matt, Mercer, and Marisha Ray say to me tomorrow. Uh, when can we see that article about what Matt's going to say to you? That's a good question. Okay. <laughs> hey. um, All right. I guess we'll find out when we find out. Yeah, we'll yep. find out when we find out. Uh, that depends on how fast my the editors at Gizmodo can turn around because I am a writer. I feel, I feel you. I feel you. If anyone who's um, wants to follow uh, Linda on Twitter, it's at Lynn Cadega. 
on the Bluebird site that's run by a crazy billionaire. So uh, check true. it out. Yeah. Are you on any of the social media sites that are not run by crazy billionaires? Uh, Tumblr. Tumblr. Okay. TikTok. Uh, but right. I don't. I don't really use those sites very often. It really is strictly strictly the Bird app for me. Um, I can only handle so many things at once. And not, there literally is nothing else that like doesn't force me into an algorithm. And I'm just like, hey, fair enough. Timelines. Now, Linda, really appreciate your time. I just want to, I'm sure you're going to get a lot of hate over the next few weeks from crazy Watsy fanboys. Oh. But um, we're just, we're very thankful for what you did. Extremely uh, grateful. This, this, I mean, I, I have, uh, we're very, very thankful. Thank you for what you did. And it uh, was a great service to the community. So you're doing uh, God's work. Anytime. At least three different gods if I have my way. Uh, <laughs> there you go. You're doing all the gods work. I love it. Some Summer, Summer Pan is very happy. So. All right. <laughs> hey. Bye, guys. Thank you so much. Hey, take care. Cheers. See ya. Wow. That was awesome.